Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's my laptop. Is it your laptop? It's going horribly. It looks like you're in, you like you're in a yeah. hostage situation, to be honest. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Rainstock Play. Um, hello YouTube as well. This is our first ever YouTube episode. Um, if people listen to the podcast as normal. If you want to see our faces, you're more than welcome on the Rainstock Play YouTube channel. Oh yeah. Um, and it's a big, big podcast. We're glad we came on YouTube for this one because it is a review of the fourth test between India and England. We'll do a bit of new stuff as well. Um, but first, for new people potentially as well, let's introduce you to the pod. Uh, Will, I'll start with you. Hello, how are you? Resplendent in your India gear. Yes, I'm very well. I'm a little bit full kit wanker today. Yeah, a little bit. Um, got the for for our for our listeners who are not on YouTube, we've got the flag up there, India top on. Um, yes, I was at the Oval for day five, so I'm uh, I'm doing very well. Good. Yeah, I look forward to getting stuck in. But you, some some shakes of the head, and now I don't have to say that out loud because we're on YouTube as well. Are you going to get a lot of YouTube references in this? We're going to push you to the YouTube channel as much as possible. Uh, Glenn, pretty in pink in Iowa. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm not as happy as Will. Uh, you know, he's at a he's living his best life um, at the Oval this weekend. I, ca- I can't quite believe he was there. Um, but yeah, I'm okay. I can't complain. I was. Uh, you know, going towards fall, it's it's still lovely and warm here. It's you know about thirty every day still. Just give or you know give or take a couple. So weather's lovely. I can't complain. We're having a nice little heat wave here as well. Actually, we're having summer. We're doing summer now, aren't we? The three days of summer. Uh, Zach <laughs> up in Leeds. What's it like for you? We were also doing summer in uh, in Leeds, but I uh, checked the forecast for the next Test match, and it's uh, it's it's winter in Manchester. Or you know, it's also what summer's like in Manchester. Um, my favourite part about YouTube is we're going to see um, we get to see Will's smug little grin, or everyone else gets <laughs> to see it. We always get to see it. Well, we don't always get to see it. We get to see it when India win, and it's a it's a key feature of the podcast. And the rest of us looking at him kind of just quite angry. And now the world can see. The world can see Will's little smug face, and we'll, you'll get a lot of it in this episode, we think. Um, let's get stuck straight into the big story then. India winning the fourth test match by 157 runs. They go 2-1 up in the series, which has been a really exciting series. Um, and I'll come to you first, Will. You were there on day five. You had the hottest ticket in town. I think we were all a bit concerned it was never getting that far, um, and then it very much did. For one of, I think, the best poised days I can remember for a day five because there was a hint of an England win I don't know how that sounds stupid now but it was there because the pitch wasn't doing too much and all four results were there um what I liked about this game Will and you can come on and chat about it now is that India won this game rather than England losing it I think one of the lads said this in the chat in our group chat um at the end of the game yesterday and it 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 wasn't India win this one wasn't it they were spectacular Yeah, definitely. I mean, it'll be tinged with a feeling that England let it get away from them because they were in a very, very strong position after the first two days. From that point on, 
you know the side that's on top at that stage has to do something kind of wrong to lose it so there's an element of that but certainly you're right on the day five india deserved to win it and they did enough it, it was it was funny because we booked these tickets it must be the best part of a year ago now because it was the cheapest we live not far from the oval we thought okay it's like 20 quid for day five it's in september all the kids have gone back to school like this isn't this is no way that this is going to be a good day <laughs> this is just the cheapest one it's the only one we can afford we'll buy the day five at the oval um and after two days it looked like it it might not even happen it was it was dropping in value like a stone um and then as it turned out it's just an unbelievable day of cricket great atmosphere the india fans were absolutely buzzing uh, we had to get a steward come and tell us off at one stage because these guys had brought a giant like 30 foot long india flag to tour around the ground you may have seen on the cameras um so it was it was, it was a nice atmosphere and a great day and you're absolutely right some of the bowling in particular was just ridiculous to watch i had to go back and watch it on youtube because i can't remember another time where so many proper batsmen have been clean bowled before in one innings and and, you know when you're there live you can get get the atmosphere get the sense for it but you can't quite understand how was that ball beating him and I I just before we did hit record I was going back and watching in slow motion all of Boomer's balls to Pope and Bairstow and it's just ridiculous and that's at that's at that point you have to say yeah fair play to the Indian bowlers you've you've won it on day five in the crowd and I've not not been to many test matches actually but surely what like a bold dismissal for your supporting the team that's bowling is the best one because you know straight away it's out whereas like an lbw you shout a bit and go oh and a court behind you like you can't really tell if he's nicked it because you're miles away so that pope bearstow moment must have been lovely as an india fan uh, in that crowd exactly and you don't have to wait for the umpire you don't have to wait for any review you just see the stump go flying and you're up and celebrations and happy days so my first question is how did shardle tackle not win player of the match that's if we start delving into his India team now. Um, I think Zach, you're in agreement here. He was unbelievable. His runs, two fifties in the match, chipped in some really important wickets. Joe Root in 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 the second in England second innings. Uh, I I respect Rohit Sharma and his runs and how good he is at cricket. But the selection of Takor over Ashwin probably as well, which you can come on to. I'm bored of hearing that man's name to be fair. But that was such a good decision from Virat Kohli. I thought. Well, I saw some interesting jokes on uh, Twitter going around when Tackle got his 50 in the first inning saying it was a really smart move from England to let him get this 50 so Ashman doesn't get picked for the fifth test. <laughs> that was one of the worst takes ever. I, was that tongue-in-cheek? I hope that was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a terrible take. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was definitely tongue-in-cheek. But yeah, Tackle, he was he was robbed of the player of the match. Obviously, you know, Rohit's innings is huge for Rohit and it is huge that he's finally got, you know, that weight has lifted from him that overseas ton that has evaded him and he's been so good and I think I said it after the second test that this opening pair have been so good in this series like it's a it's a defining series for them I think even though if you look at it on on the scores it maybe doesn't look that impressive it it, you know it, it looks relatively impressive a few big partnerships but it doesn't look as impressive as I think it it has actually been because it's not been the easiest conditions to bat on these are two batsmen who you know, traditionally aren't that good away from home. You know, Rahul scored 100 in England before, but, you know, 100 and now they've both got one. But I think overall in cricket, um, Rohit Sharma across across international cricket has them like equaled the most centuries. That's including, because he's obviously got, you know, just about a million ODI centuries in of any overseas batsman in England now. Yeah. I think he's either equaled it or one away, right. which is... It's a mad stat, and obviously, you know, for him to be—he's arguably the greatest ODI opener 
ever. The only man with more than one ODI double hundred. I, you know, for him to come out and do this in Test cricket when you know a couple of years ago he wasn't even he wasn't even considered to be you know spot on definitely in the side. I'm sorry, I've I've, got, I've started this point saying Shardell Tackle was robbed, <laughs> and then I've gone on to talk about how good Rohit no, Sharma is. No, the side of Rohit Sharma did deserve player of the match. Um, Will is KL Rahul going to be? a long-term opener now because in my head right as a, as a I follow India enough we've watched a lot of them this year he was just sort of the stand-in for Gil because he's been injured right um it's been a great season as Zach said does he does he now drop out once the season's done and, and India get back to their next their next test matches wherever or is this it for a while now well, I think this is it for a while now and that's probably a good thing because we've discussed on the pod before how many different opening combinations India have had since the first game in Australia. Um, you've had a lot of chopping and changing there, mainly because somebody has a really poor run and then has to get taken out. So in a way, it's quite a nice selection dilemma to have a couple of players who look like they might be in Nick and you probably don't want to mess with that just because you've got somebody like Shubman Gill waiting in the wings. I mean, we said a couple of podcasts ago, it's a really nice and healthy position to be in from a long-term perspective because you've got a really clear succession plan that it's now, it's Rohit and Kale Rahul and they are clearly experienced in their peak years, now seem to have worked out how to play as an opening partnership in tests away from India, which both of them had looked a little bit shaky at before. If they've worked out that out and then in two, three, four years, you hand over to Shubman Gill and Pritvi Shaw, that's wonderful. I mean, that's, that's, that's all you can ask for. So speaking to three... England fans who who know all too well uh, top order selection dilemmas, <laughs> that feels like a very very healthy position to be in. So so no, I I wouldn't mess with that at all after this series. Yeah yeah good. I think we all agree on that. Right, we'll, we'll, we can come back to India in a bit because I'm itching to talk about England. I'm very sorry, India. What viewers and listeners, we've done a bit of you now. We'll come back on to you in a bit. But England, I don't quite know where they lost this game. Because they started really well, bowled India out for, what was it, less than 200, 190. Obviously, we were then 62 for five. That seems like the air, That seems like where we lost the game, right? We didn't get enough first innings runs. Uh, who, who agrees or disagrees with that? Because obviously, the collapse in the, in the second innings wasn't great, but I thought India bowled that really well. I'm just trying to work out where England actually lost this game. I was going to say the exact same thing as you, so you go. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of agreement then, um, I guess, because yeah, they, they, you know, they bowled India out for 191, which was we all thought was under par. Uh, it was a good, a great bowling performance, uh, you could say, um, at least for most of the innings. Uh, and yeah, we just once again we we just didn't make the most of it in that in our first innings. Um, I think Wisdom put it quite well. Um, they said that England won the game twice but ended up losing it. There were many flashpoints um, where we should have done better. But I think pushing that lead from the first innings beyond 99 into something that is really going to be difficult. Even the symbolic 99 was just so galvanizing for India. Like I, I know we'll put it in our mm. chat. Like It, it wasn't three figures. Uh, and I know that's more symbolic than anything else, but it really underlines the issue that England had with, you know, doing really well from a from a strong position, kicking on from there. Um, and they just weren't ruthless enough. Um, I think Pope batted beautifully then, and we can get on to individual players in a minute. But bigger picture, we weren't ruthless. Uh, we were a bit sloppy in the field at times, putting down catches that were tough, but you need to take against a world-class side like India. And we just we just couldn't quite deliver the killer blow. And when it when push came to shove, and India had us on the ropes. Uh, they won because they were, you know, big enough and brave enough to take those wickets. Yeah, I mean, and to go back to 
Shardul Tackle, um, he was dropped on. I think he was on about four in that first innings, and uh, if he if we take our catch, if we take that catch, then it's you know 140 all out probably around about rather than 190, which you know mentally that's huge. That 50 runs is huge, and it means that we can our batsmen are so can be so more relaxed because they're so far in the lead. And then if you look at our scorecard, there's so many starts. That that was my next bit with that middle order is there were well even after the top order and and Root had two starts in this game. No one converted, and it was weird because it was especially third and fourth innings for quite a flat pitch for only 100 to be scored in this pitch was a little bit weird, wasn't it? So if we look at the first innings, you had Milan 31, Root 21, Pope's 81's more than a start, really. And then Bersi 37, Moeen 35. He caught quite a lot of stick for that shot, which probably deservedly so. He's admitted it was a bit of a brain fade. Wokes is 50. That's, that's bonus runs. Listen, you convert one of these into a proper ton alongside Pope's 81, for example, and that lead is 150, 175. Even so, right, I still thought 99 was enough because the way the pitch had been, then all of a sudden it just, it just went and it looked so easy to bat on. I would say the, the one thing I would say is it, it looked easier to bat on whilst England were batting, though. So at that point when England were batting, it looked slightly easier to bat on. It then got even easier. But I think at that point it meant that England should have cashed in more. It, it, you know, I think, I don't know, I feel like England always make a pitch look harder to bat on than other teams do, but I, I think that's just a general thing. But yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's just frustrating because so many of these, so many of these players, like you say, Dan, they got they got starts and they should have, at least one should have converted. And it's it's been quite common, I think, in this series, Moeen and Bairstow, I feel like they... I have no stats to back this up. I feel like Moeen and Bersto have, have not scored outside of the 30s, apart from when they've got single-figure scores. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. And I was, but for me, that's fine. Like if they're getting 35s, 40s, that's okay. I know it wasn't in this case because this half order failed, but that's all right. Ugh, I don't know. I found it really tricky. And then there was another window in this game where England had India. Was it what four down, and they were leading by about 175. And then, you know, Tackle, Pan, even Yadav and Bumra got runs. So that's, I guess, like, you know, I asked, was, is there one place where England lost this? There was probably four or five, weren't there? Yeah, I, I think so. And it, like you say, it, it's fine. If, if you're, if you're, well, what were they in this game? They were, they were seven and eight in this game, which obviously, you know, is a place lower because of the Night Watchman. If you're six and seven, get 35 each, you get a few lower order runs and your top order get, you know, between 40, average between 40 and 45. That's brilliant. But, you know, yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't blame, like you said, maybe we shouldn't blame them because their runs are useful and they're not the people in here. Well, they are, you know, we want them to score some runs, but Moeen isn't just in the in the side for his runs. And in this game, Bairstow isn't either. He's, you know, I feel like he kept pretty well. You know, didn't, you know, you didn't, I didn't really notice him too much. So, you know, it means he can't have kept too badly. Well, I, I preferred the balance of this side with no butler. I, did, I can't remember if you guys spoke about it in, in last week's pod, but he was obviously taken out of the squad to go see the birth of his second child, and I preferred it for that. I think Bairstow likes the gloves. He loves the challenge. He's one of those sort of guys who, who loves being a big part of the team. And then that got Pope in there, as opposed to having Bairstow and Butler. So I quite liked it until he got bowled um, for a football duck. Obviously now I want him out, as does the rest of England. Um, should we talk about Chris Wokes? Because, Glenn, when we first made this podcast, this was a Chris Wokes podcast, how good was it to see him back? And uh, Was it in his first over? I think it was. He nicked off Sharma. 
he was superb all test match, bearing in mind his injuries and bearing in mind how little cricket he's played all year. Yeah, it was a fantastic return to the team. So he got seven wickets in total, obviously that really vital half century. Uh, and he looked really fluent in that inning, some lovely cover drives, just like so looks like a real class act. Um, and Wisden uh, did the right thing uh, in their kind of roundup of this game, and they pointed out his incredible home record. Uh, so he's played 25 uh, test matches in England. He has an average of 35.25 with the bat and 22.63 with the ball. Um, and as they said, if you finish with a career number, finish a career with numbers like that, and you'd be considered a legend of the game. Um, I mean, they're ridiculous figures, and he's so consistent at home. Obviously, the flip side of that is that he is less effective away from home. Um, you know, his action, his pace, um, when there's not anything coming off the pitch, if there's little to. In, ter in terms of grass, in terms of swing, then yeah, of course, away from home, he isn't as lethal a bowler. But, you know, the fact that he, after this, you know, massive gap that we have we have discussed on, on the podcast, so unlucky with, uh, you know, quarantining and injuries and all these kind of freak accidents that only happen when you're having a real run of bad luck, to come back into the team and look like such a class act with both bat and ball was amazing. And it's a headache, select uh, it's a headache for selectors because... In my opinion, I would imagine everyone on this pod, um, I think I can speak for us for once, he should be playing the next game. Uh, I think he proved exactly why. The fact he was batting, I want to say about nine, was uh, nonsense. I mean, he's clearly a player that can bat much higher than that, which is a good thing. Uh, so, I mean, it was fantastic. And then, you know, it was, it was a pretty, it was a negative result. It was a bit frustrating the way that um, England, again, basically bottled it. But he was one of the one of the brightest points, I think, of this game to come in and just look so assured. This is why we love him as a podcast. This is why we love Chris Wokes. On that, I, I, I saw a stat earlier and I, I can't remember where I got it from. It says something like Chris Wokes averages something like 60 batting at seven for England in England. Obviously, sample size, but still. Is, my... is that is that not out 100 at Lords, perhaps, helping that? I can't <laughs> remember if he got out or not, but it might be a big not out 100. <laughs> I think it might be, yeah. On the kind of home and away thing, it's interesting that obviously it's, it's kind of something that gets mentioned a lot. And he hasn't actually played an away test since he played one in South Africa. And, you know, OK, he, he, didn't, he didn't do anything in particularly well, but... You know, I I would be interested to see because I feel like since then he's gotten better. Mm. So I would I wouldn't count him out of playing away tests and being better now because he looked because that, that I mean that ball he got Rohit with was it wasn't a Chris Wokes delivery at all. It like spat up. And... Yeah, that risingy bouncy one. But I also thought the wickets he took in the in the second innings where the India where the pitch was visibly flatter where he got. Uh, Jadeja with a lovely ball and then Rahane I mean I could have got Rahane out of the way he's playing at the minute but they, it was clever bowling on a really tr tough pitch and with the Iron Australia I, I quite like the look of him for that um, we can come on to the, the preview of, of the next test in a minute because there's a lot of selection issues for England um, for lots of reasons um, what else do you want to talk about in this test match because I kind of feel we know India did very well they won it Um England didn't play that well. I still, I still quite like the balance of that team. If we finish off on England here, I really like the balance of that team. I'm disappointed it did so badly, to be honest, because I'm behind Milan now. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, Pope was good, and they're not so good. Um, uh, I love Wokes and Moeen being in there. This worked for me. What, what did you reckon to the balance, Glenn? 
Yeah, I, I'm delighted we talked about that. Um, actually, you mentioned it because I, I mean, I just want to talk. I think it'd be a disservice to Burns and Hamid not to mention them because I know that they obviously didn't really trouble yeah. the scoreboard in that first innings. But once again, having discussed, we've already made a joke about it earlier in this podcast. You know that the trials and tribulations of England's openers in the second innings especially right in the evening before the fifth day to end i think it was 77 for none to really build a foundation uh, on the evening of day four and for both of them to get 50s and i know i know that obviously the the natural criticism after that is we need hundreds we need to go beyond that (laughs) burns has a, a terrible knack of getting out either for zero or you know bang on a 50 i mean how unfortunate is that um but I think we, we have to have at least a very, very brief discussion about Burns and Hamid, because for me and probably for a lot of England fans, this this seems to be the two that are going to be in the ashes. Um, does anyone disagree with that? I guess would be my question to you. All. And, and how did you how did you feel and watching them open together? I think Hamid especially has looked a real class act. I think Hamid's place of the two is probably still a little bit under pressure for the ashes. That's kind of my gloss on it. I don't know how, how you guys feel. I think he's the one that, Probably in more than fifty percent of his innings so far, he's looked a little bit shaky. He's not—he's not necessarily come across as looking. You watch him play, and you go, "Oh, I have confidence in this partnership. I feel safe." <laughs> um, but as he was playing in that second innings, you saw what sort of in confidence Hamid, not feeling under pressure, and doing that role can look like because he—that partnership looked really, really secure. Um, obviously, the night of day four, and then the morning of day five, that was the one that India almost they were on the verge of just running out of ideas a little bit um and then obviously managed to get the wicket of burns and then the the run out for milan was a massive game changer and i think it is worth saying that yes there were points that i agree with everything you guys have said england lacked ruthlessness a little bit could have killed the game off and didn't and overall with their day four or five performances india were probably just the better team over the course of the test and deserved to win but england were really really unlucky in spaces i think that that run out was absolutely massive um and you could say, yeah, it wasn't a single. You shouldn't really go for it. But, you know, these things happen. And even, you know, even after that, up to sort of midday almost of day five, the conversation was still, oh, India have made a mistake not picking Ashwin. <laughs> it was it was just a sort of little bit of luck that conditions changed throughout the course of the day. The Indian bowler started to find reverse swing, which wasn't really happening for anybody else um, up to that point. So there is a huge element of luck there. And also one thing that I think is, weirdly not being pointed out by a lot of people even england fans in defense of the team is that this is not anywhere near the first england 11 if everybody was fit and there i mean especially the bowling attack you know and and that was really noticeable that anderson as a couple of people have said wisdom said in one of their articles for the first time in a while he looked every bit a 39 year old it was one of those, you know, in an ideal situation, he would not have played four tests on the spin and will definitely have to play the fifth. Um, it was, you know, broad going down, losing others, losing Archer. Those those things still have make a massive difference. I think we've praised Overton on the previous podcast. He does look much better with bat and ball than Sam Curran, which is why he's there. But he didn't quite look like he's your first choice if you have other options. Wokes was obviously brilliant, but it's still not a first choice England team. And I think they, they probably did pretty well um, to get to get 20 wickets given all of those factors some some really good points and i I, one one thing i want to kind of just go back to is you say the run out was really key but i think partly what caused the run out is how well india bowled india managed to shut up shop for england in that first session i think hamid hit 20 off about 100 balls partly because he he got a bit bogged down but also partly because the bowling was so good 
and then you had that Bumrah spell. So I think Dan said it at the start of the pod that India won this rather than England lost it. And I I would agree with that, that that spell from Bumrah obviously changed the game. And the pressure they built up in the morning meant that at lunch, the win was basically off the cards. It, it was going to be very, like, I mean, it was, it was always going to be difficult for England. But by lunch, Kohli didn't have to worry about, oh, They've scored, you know, 80 in that first session. I better take a catcher out. I better put an, I better, you know, have put less pressure on them because, you know, I'm worried about losing the test match. And I don't know. Who, I think, you know, it's a credit India rather than blame England for that. Like the bowling was so good. And that was, you know, arguably the difference because like you say, it's not our top bowling attack and the bowling maybe lacked a bit of, well, I mean, it lacked a Jasprit Bumrah or the England bowling, which, you know, you can't do anything about. We don't have Jasper Bumrah. If <laughs> we got one, <laughs> yeah, it's a shame we don't have one. Actually, a Jasper from somewhere locked up, ready to go. Um, oh, some brilliant points I want to I want to look at there. I mean, on Hamid, which I think is what Glenn started this whole conversation with. I think I'm with Will in that he's great, and I love him, but there's just a something doubting, and I think this comes to Zach's point of he can get bogged down really easily, sort of quite quickly out of nowhere as well. It happened at Headingley. It happened, I think he had 29 dots before he got out at Headingley. The same sort of thing happened here and he got out and it just sort of stymies in any of England's momentum. But on the flip side of that, he also helps England's momentum. He's, he's much better than Dom Sibley is at, at partnering Rory Burns and getting the scoring going. It's just every now and again, he just sort of gets into a little bit of a hole and I don't know why he does that or how. It has been good bowling on both occasions. I think that we've all said that. But that's my one doubt about about Hamid. Um, and you made a great point, Will. I, I have forgotten this isn't England's full-strength side. No Broad, no Stokes, no Archer. I think we're asking quite a lot of these guys um, at the minute, to be fair. One one thing. I, I, would you rather... Because I get what you mean, Will, and, and Dan, you kind of alluded to this as well, is that... He doesn't. He doesn't look as secure, Hamid. Like Burns looks. I think Burns always looks quite good once he gets off naught, but then you know gets out for exactly fifty. But would you rather a player look secure? Because I feel like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley to a certain extent. They always looked secure, and you know Zach Crawley more so because Ollie Pope's just got a score. So I'm not going to start you know <laughs> sledging him. Uh, Zach Crawley. <laughs> yeah, you know out. Zach Crawley like James Vince in the past would. He looked so good every time, and it was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. He's, he's going to go on for a big one here. Would you rather a player that looked like that or, you know, looked a bit less secure? I suppose you'd rather the player that scores more runs in the end. doesn't matter. It's a really good point, and, I th- you know, who can argue with that? Obviously, you want the one that plays better in the end. I think the thing with Hamid is it's not so much that his technique looks dodgy or, like, you're worried that he doesn't play in an attractive style. It's just that I think I, th- I genuinely think it's purely a confidence thing because of his whole journey in the test setup and what we all know about his journey there and what he's been through. I think he just looks like somebody who 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 worries that this is last chance saloon for him and if he makes one mistake, that's that's it. And that's uh, that's that's all I think it is with with him. He just doesn't look completely in nick and confident and secure in his place because if you were him, of course you wouldn't. Um, so I think that's probably a backroom thing that he needs some pretty good man management and and selection security behind the scenes. Somebody needs to say to him look, you're not just here for one game because Sibley's been terrible and you're going to be gone again in six months if you have a barren run. Somebody needs to say you're here because we think you're one of our two best openers in the country and we're going to believe in you for the next few months. Yeah, I think I agree with that. A, a little bit rabbit in the headlights at the minute, even when he's, you know, 40 not out. It's like, you know, you could, you're doing well. I saw somebody tweet, I think it was Izzy Westbury, that 
when it, when when Hasimid blocks, it's like the ground underneath him has wronged him in some sort of way. The way he just slams the ball into the deck and just sort of holds it there. It's like that specific part of turf has really done something wrong to him. Um, Glenn, what would you prefer? Really, a really ugly batsman that gets loads of runs or a pretty one that looks in and might get you some runs, but also might not? Yeah, I, I I think it's a really difficult one. I think it's a fantastic discussion we're having. Um, you know, the aesthetic versus the output is always a difficult one to find the balance with uh, with English batsmen. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my mind's been changing. I, it's probably a consequence of me not what fo- I was following the live text pretty much every day throughout. Um, as long as I was, you know, awake and it was still going, but I didn't watch more than maybe half a day in total, which was unfortunate. So I didn't see Hamid get bogged down. And that was a point I think we made on the last podcast. And that is a worrying trend. And I think you've all outlined the reasons why pretty well. He, he probably is, you know, so jittery because, as you rightly said, Will, about the past, that he probably gets a crisis of confidence mid, uh, you know, mid innings, which is quite a rare thing. Because usually, as you said, with a player like Burns, once you're in, you're in and you're only going upwards from there on. Whereas Hamid has this kind of almost unique issue at the minute from, again, a very small sample size of, you know, just kind of losing his way midway through an innings, which is which is unfortunate. I mean, I was just looking at the strike rate of Hamid um, in that second innings. So as we said, he got 63 runs, um, but his strike rate was only 32. And I know there was, you know, different reasons for that. And I think that you might put a bit of this, um, put the blame towards that because of he might have realised towards the end of the innings that chasing the runs is looking a little bit unlikely. But nonetheless, that is a strike rate that makes me immediately think of Don Sibley. So it... It is a tough one. Don't, because don't I use still, his I name. Think... Do not use his name next to Hasimi <laughs> in this chat. Do not use his name. Do not use his name. Is there is there some sort of perhaps double standard among England fans maybe trying to tie these two points together whereby if someone looks good and we like them as a person, but if you look at the stats, they're actually scoring at, ironically, a similar rate to Sibley, what differentiates them then? Obviously, the bottom line is the scores, and that's the point I'm making. Hamid has already looked more likely, I think, of getting a big score than Sibley has recently. But I think when you actually get down to the bare bones of it and look at the stats, on the paper, at least, there's not as much between them as you might think watching the games. That's maybe the point I'm making. I I saw it when when Hasib Hamid got recalled to the Test squad. There was a stat that said in County Championship cricket, uh, Dom Sibley scores at two point eight runs and over. Hasib Hamid scores at two point six runs and over across their careers. So actually, Hamid does score slower in County Championship cricket. I know he he's been better. I, I'm saying this, this is, is a slander. pure. This is what I saw at the start, and he has looked better. He's looked like a better par- partner to Burns, and he. I don't have stats about stuff. He's everyone thinks he's scored faster overall, don't they? Everyone thinks he's scored faster. He he start he starts quicker though. He get he's, he looks busier. He looks more interested, and he he'll be. I think he was forty off like eighty maybe, and then it's something like my point earlier. Something happens. I don't quite know what. I think it's I think it's good bowling in the match situations he's found himself in that make him go a little bit. Oh God, don't lose your wicket here. Something like that. And to be fair, Jadeja was chucking it outside leg stump offering nothing so he had nothing really to gain there and then got a good one um but i like them and i find the ashes chat really awkward because firstly we don't know if it's going to go ahead or not or whether england send a b team or whether these guys are going to go there's no test before after this one before the ashes i don't think someone correct me if i'm wrong and i don't really i think it's going to be those two anyway so we'll move on from this because there's been a lot of opener chat um let's look ahead to old trafford then it starts on friday very quick turnaround uh, we'll start with India, Will, because we've neglected them slightly. Uh, they're 2-1 up. 
Um, this would look great on Virat Kohli's CV and away win in England. Uh, so he's not going to do the Aussies did and lose the fifth test. What happens with this team? For me, right, I want to start with Ajinka Rahane because he looks hopelessly out of Nick, but he's your vice captain. Um, could you chat about him a little bit and what you think might happen? But could you also chat about the game just gone and India's decision to move Jadeja up to five, bringing Rahane to six and putting Pant in that seven position where I think he was much better in England? Yeah, and I think you're right to link the two things because the, on the one hand... He's as we've said before. He's the vice captain. It's very difficult to drop him. We see what he offers the team. He's clearly a very important player in a leadership role. We saw that in Australia. We captained the side to a series win. All of that stuff being said. But yeah, the killer is that if you're batting Jadeja at five, then he's not. He doesn't offer anything more at number six on the strength of his batting at the moment than even Ashwin would if you put him at seven and put Bant at six. Um. The problem for him is that he 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 is a victim of the Virat Kohli situation. Kohli clearly, as you said, it's going to be massive for his legacy if he can secure the win in that last test. He obviously wants a century and he's obviously going to bat at four because he's Virat Kohli. Which means if you're Rahane, you either have to bat top three, which on the strength of Pajara's form and the openers isn't going to happen. Or you have to change your game slightly to be a sort of lower middle order batsman and as we've said on a previous podcast, where I think the strength for him in that role is, is you can just be like a quote-unquote anchor and just stabilize, stabilize Rashad Pant. Unfortunately, what we keep seeing is that Rahani's either gone by the time Pant gets there or gone very, very shortly afterwards. So if he's not doing that role, it's not at all clear what his specialized position in that team is supposed to be. And if you're putting Jadeja in ahead of him, that was a weird situation because when we saw the first innings, there was a question mark over... You know, were they planning to put Jadeja in later but changed it last minute because they wanted a left-hander? There was a little bit of talk about, you know, was Rahanij not ready in the changing room? Had he gone off to the toilet or whatever? And then they did exactly the same thing in the second inning. So it was clearly a decision, which at that point does look a little bit like the writings on the wall. Because if you're not even coming in as the stabilizer after Kohli to ideally partner Pant, if you're coming in below Jadeja, who is not even... He's not even a Washington Sundar type who's been floated as your sort of spinner and also a possible number five. He, he Zach's, Zach's, new o- Zach's new opener, <laughs> was it? I can't, I can't quite remember. Sorry to interrupt you, Will, but I love the idea that, you know, four down pretty early on day one, they changed the batting order because Rahane's, you know, having a, having a number two or something. You know, I, I love the idea of that. Uh, hell to hell with it. Well, there, there was talk of that because he sort of reappeared at the window and didn't have his pads on. And sort of it was it was all a bit of a weird situation, but... I think that India have enough in that squad. I mean, as you said before, Dan, the India squad is a bit of a myth. No one's ever quite sure who is there, who's ready to play. But there clearly are enough figures in there who can come in and bat at five. Or if you're happy with Jadeja at five, then all you're looking for is a number seven. And that's pretty straightforward to find in this team. You either bat Ashwin a little bit higher, or you can reinvent Mayank as a number five. I think those are basically your options. Or you bring Surya Kumar in. I mean, there's so many options for India that if you have someone who's so clearly misfiring, you don't need to squeeze him into the team unless you really want to just because he's Rahani and he's the vice captain. And, th- and that's probably not a sensible way of making selection decisions. Can I very quickly preface before before you do, Zach? I'm, I'm not in any oh, you way don't suggesting want... oh, that also... should be batting at number five. <laughs> that's, I don't know. I can't I'm not advocating that do, as a permanent do, solution. Is 
there a reason to not drop Rahane because he's vice captain? Is what I'm saying. I feel like if he wasn't vice captain. He might have been going to test to go. Are they going to keep him in because he's he's vice captain? They're two one up. Like it's a bit sour, isn't it? Or do you reckon they will go? Listen, mate, you're horribly out of Nick. I would say person. I would say that I don't even necessarily think it's the title of vice captain, but kind of. I know we spoke about this before during the Australia series. The kind of uh, good cop, bad cop vibes between Rahane and and Coley. And I, Pant seems to have kind of stepped up into a, although he's very young, into kind of more of a leadership role. But I think Rahane's kind of role in without his batting is is quite important to this side. And like you say, Dan, they're two one up. I don't I don't see them bothering really to drop him i i think it would be strange and also the candidates to come in vahari's in the vahari's in the squad yeah it's you know what like we've said so much <laughs> mythology about who's here who's not who's playing a third 11 game in sri lanka you know it, who knows but yeah it seems weird because you know vahari's an option surya kumar couldn't have, couldn't have, you know, advertised himself much better, taking a great catch at short leg. Mayank as well was involved, was was involved in the run out. So you know, they they all did their bits when they came on. I I wouldn't mind seeing. It would be quite funny to see Jadeja go back to what he did in the um in the 50 over World Cup, where he didn't really play that much, but would field yeah. for like 45 of the 50 overs just because he's the best fielder. Like I would, it would be quite funny if we went back well, to was, a, it, it a was stage under like the that. helmet against the spinners. It was Surya Kumar and another sub. No, Mayank got a run out, I think. So the sub fielders are fantastic. Mayank was I. I think I think Mayank was was at one point under a helmet as well because when he got the run out he was wearing right. pads like so he, he was, was ready he to was, go he in. He was a short fielder under as well. So maybe get them in because they're specialist fielders. I don't know. Will does Ravi Ashwin finally get a game? I noticed during this game that he that the cameras kept paying to him and he had one of the earpieces in. I don't know. Where, I reckon he was on Sky. I don't know why. I think he was listening to Sky. It doesn't really matter. But um, they could, there was, as they were talking about him and he kept a very steely face while they were obviously talking about his lack of selection. With England looking to pick a second spinner, you know, uh, Old Trafford's going to spin, is all the rumour. Is he going to get a game? It, that's the bottom question. He was probably busy content for his what's, YouTube what's, channel. What does, he, what does he do? Vlogs um, and whatnot? He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does sort of strangely oh. in-depth okay, interviews well, with various Indian cricket legends. Um all in Hindi, so unfortunately, oh. most of our listeners. Well, uh, it must be, be yeah, okay, perfect. That. Anyway, is he going to get a There's game? Well, I don't care about his YouTube channel. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I care about his YouTube channel. He might come on as a guest. We can't alienate him. We keep picking fights with other podcasts. Is he going to get a game? Oh, yeah, I think I'm there as well. Not. It's just too I late now. It'd be funny not. if you didn't. To be fair. Mm. Yeah. I think the the thing is is like it's it's going to rain for the first two days apparently. So if it rains for two days, Old Trafford's not going to spin. I want a raging end of summer turner, Zach. You put me in a right mood. Okay, so will no changes then? No changes for India. No one wants to get rid of Rahane. I'd have had Rahane gone a while ago. I'd have Ashwin in because it's funny. Or they're going to stick with it. Maybe bring one of the seamers back. I don't know. I have to be honest. Until Zach. Um, mentioned his name, I completely forgot that, that Vihari exists. 
so forgettable. And he is still a so sport, which is nice. He is quite forgettable. <laughs> but he is also the most natural number five, so I should probably have mentioned him uh, instead of trying to shuffle my ankle there. Um, the other strike, slight curveball. I don't think this will imp- um, impact selection, but obviously what you alluded to those subfielders mm. was because both Rohit Sharma and Bajara didn't make an appearance on day five because they're injured in various ways. Um, so Indian cricket articles are currently popping up aplenty, saying who should replace Rohit Sharma in the opening pair? Um, he's going to play, but just in case he doesn't, there might be a change up there. You might you might squeeze Prithvi Shaw into the top three. Um, which would be quite good fun. I, I, I tend to take the rule, as we've said before on this podcast, that the best place for a young player who's not been in great nick, you know, the best opportunity for them to come back into the side is not in a crucial series deciding test in England. Um, but, it w- you know, it would be nice to see him. Uh, I don't think it'll be the same, Eleven. I, I know I said probably not Ashwin. <laughs> help also help the listeners out, Will. They're, trying, they're coming um, to hear for some you know, info know. to pass know. on to their the friends. Is, and you're saying, oh, they might, they might not. <laughs> Pick a side. I think it's. Yeah. I think they go, they're, they're yeah, going to do fine. four seamers and so one. So it might be just some ma- just some makeup of those five. But if Jadeja is a, it maybe if if nice. Jadeja is the number five now, nice. then you squeeze Ashwin in and play both of them, and you call Jadeja a specialist batsman. So that's the way that Ashwin could get in. I yeah. I I I think Rahani will drop out for either okay. one of the specialist batsmen, or to squeeze Ashwin in some weird concoction. And then, to be fair, Pajara's injury looks a little bit worse than Rohit, so I wouldn't be too surprised to see somebody come in as a specialist number three. This is this is what I was going to say because I think yeah, we would do that job then. Worse, so you know, Prithvi Shaw is, but like like you said, Will, can Surya Kumar? I, I don't really. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch enough Indian first-class cricket to know where he bats. But considering considering he do, considering he only bats at like fourth in T Twenty cricket, I'd be really surprised if he bats in the top three. Uh, Usually it kind of goes the other help. way. The thing is, what I'm forgetting here is India are only two one up. I've resigned it because we can't win the series. This series still could be a tie. There's important World Test Championship points up for grabs. You know, this still is an important test. You can't just chuck anybody in there. Yeah, I agree. Which which is why I think. If you do have to make a change to the top three, it's probably Mayank who comes in, just on the base that he's he's the most experienced. He'll know what he's doing. Okay. Head screwed on. Yeah. You're not taking any major risks there. Um, Glenn, for England then, let's, let's look ahead to England and the workload of one James Anderson and Ollie Robinson. Um, both our two best bowlers, both look cream crackered at the uh, during that India second innings do they rest them dare they rest one of them uh, for me in my team which I'll do in a minute no but there's clearly a case for that right to rest one of those two and hopefully Mark Wood's fit Spot on, Dan. Yeah, I think Mark Wood, has, if he is genuinely fit, not Mark Wood fit, where it's like, oh yeah, he can bowl 10 overs, then then, then just his body breaks down. And I feel for him, and this is this really is symptomatic of all these problems with managing workloads um, and putting player, player care above, not necessarily even the result, but player care, you know, putting that at the forefront of, of, of this England setup, which they just really haven't done, you know, mental health care, obviously physical health care as well. It's not something that this England setup really manages, particularly one, in my opinion, but I I just don't see how Robinson and Anderson will be fit enough to um, bowl at their best in the second innings. You'll definitely get ten good overs with them, out of them with a the new ball in that first one. What's really unfortunate is, as you just pointed out, Dan. You know that's that's both of them are probably in this same thing. So 
how do you pick between them? You, obviously, Anderson, you look at age, but Robinson really has been putting in the hard yards after a, a long county championship season as well, where he was putting in the yards uh, domestically. So I think it's it's probably the biggest it's the, the, the biggest issue that England selectors have moving forward. Um, other ones, does Leach come back in? I mean, I don't see why he would if Ali's kind of our spinner. And in theory, we should probably not be preparing like you know, a particularly turning pitch. I don't think that is going to be helpful because Dejeja and Ashwin playing uh, in tandem will just demolish us. I think that'd be pretty unwise to back Ali and Leach against those two. Don't see that going very well. So for me, I don't see Leach coming in. Um, we've got the Butler question, which we touched on earlier. I personally wouldn't bring Butler in either. I would actually leave him out and I would keep Bearstow. I think, again, you'd be messing around with Bearstow after he's kept pretty well. And his batting has been fine. He's got a much higher average, not not by not not in terms of runs, but he has got a higher average than Butler across this series. So personally, I would probably keep almost the same team as we had this game. But the real tricky thing is Wood probably has to come in for one of Anderson or Robinson. And I'm going to say the selectors must have a better idea of their individual fitness than us. Just watching them, one of them has got to be slightly fitter than the other. You've got to think, and that other one has to sit out. Because it's just, it's not right to, to put those tired bodies through another gruelling five-day test. For me, there are a couple surprises in the squad selection. Obviously, the, the Butler thing was, was surprising. I wasn't expecting him to be picked, to be in the squad. I thought, you know, that was it for his summer, which, you know, fair play. He wants another week with his, you know, very newly born child. You know, fair enough. Uh, but also, Craig Overton looked, he didn't look good when he went off the field, when he got um, bowled after it hit him on the, like, on the elbow. It's not a nice place to get hit. So I what wouldn't have been surprised if he dropped out. And also the fact that Saki Bamoub was in the squad for this last game and not in the next one when he hasn't had a game i really wanted him to play in this one i wanted him to play i, want, I wanted him to play in the, the one that just happened i really want him to play in this one it's, it's home ground our bowlers are tired and also like dan said you know the series is kind of gone but also he's going to be useful in australia so give him a go before we get there you know he shouldn't he i can't we can't expect him to play in australia without having played a test at home i, I think that would be really naive of england and also just, just silly with the way we're at, like, because that's three, that's our three, three of our four seamers there, uh, you know, potentially not fully fit. Three of the four seamers we played in the last game, and then Wokes obviously is only just coming back from injury as well. So, you know, it's it's worrying. I think we, you know, we could have injuries come out of this next game. Yeah, you got to think that Robinson and Anderson are in the red zone, whatever the England people like to call it. Um, one sort of spar in the works is that it's Old Trafford and, you know, Jimmy Anderson's got like a whole end named after him. So you might want to play him. He seems like the kind of bloke that will tell Chris Silverwood, like, I'm fit or I'm not fit. He also seems like the kind of guy that will say he's fit when he's not fit because he's a competitor and wants to play cricket. So they're going to have to manage that one. That could be quite tricky. Um, Robinson, whenever he starts a spell, looks stiff as a board and is bowling at about 75 miles an hour. And... His workload has been unbelievable. So I, I could see him dropping out for Wood. I, I, I agree with uh, Glenn on Butler as well. Don't, I don't, like, they might, re they might result, resolve back to um, Butler and Bairstow, which I don't like. I think Pope as a specialist batsman in there is better. And I think Bairstow as a wicketkeeper batsman is better at the minute. I think he enjoys the role of the gloves. I think his little knocks of 35 and 40 here and 
have been all right. You know, it's a low bar at the minute. They'll do. Butler looks like he's not enjoying his test cricket that much anyway. Um, and I would I would keep that top eight, seven, eight. Moeen, Bairstow, Moeen, Wokes, the same. And then I'd bring in Wood for Robinson. Oh, no, I've missed somebody out. Or oh, I had Leach, potentially. Are you going to play two spinners? You're not going to play two spinners, are you? But he's back in the squad. Why is he back in the squad, Zach, if he's not going to maybe get a game? Because they hate Somerset and they want them to, you know, be relegated. From you rubbish anyway. We'll, get, we'll come on to how bad well. Somerset are anyway in a minute because you're rubbish. But that's, that's fine. Um, Will... What do you see this England team doing with this? Probably with this bowling. So the issues are your bowling attack, your rest and rotation, and then Butler or Bairstow. What do you reckon? Yeah, I completely agree with you that I think that you don't go Butler and Bairstow, especially after what Pope did. I'm much happier, or I would be if I was an England fan, much happier with, with Bairstow with the gloves at the moment. I think that makes sense. He's definitely not done bad enough at, at either job to deserve getting dropped from that. I think the only interesting decision is with how well Chris Wokes batted and the sort of do you want to give everybody a game before the Ashes in case they play situation um, is whether you promote him up one bang spot and drop Moeen for Parkinson. Oh, well, there's no Parkinson in the squad. Is no. he not? Sorry, mate. I I, there was, was whispers. No. There, there were, there were really enjoyable whispers, but no. That would oh. be bold if they dropped oh. him for Parkinson. How about they drop, they drop Moeen for Leach, who did get recalled into the squad. Is that what you're saying? Is that... Because Moeen was, yeah, was brought in to be a spin option that sort of shored up the batting. But now Wokes is doing that as a bowling option that does that. I know he's not a spinner. You can bring Leach in. Not worry about the batting too much. Exactly. And and Moeen didn't really bowl very well. So no, he <laughs> if, he, if, he really if he's didn't. your specialist spinner as opposed to your all-rounder now that you have Wokes with the bat, it, he, there's no reason for him to have that job I like that. over Leach. I like that shout. Because um, I think Leach deserves a game. I really do. <sighs> I don't know. Also, boys, as we, as we wrap this up, the only person with their predictions still intact is one, Zach, who has it as 2-2. Two, two. Uh, let me double-check this, by the way, in my, my book of knowledge. Um, yeah, I went 3-1 England. Glenn went 2-1 England. We went 3-1 England. And uh, Zach went 2-2. Two, two. And I wrote 2-2 two, two to England, which a 2-2 two, two would be to India. If it was going to be to anyone, it would be <laughs> yeah. to India because like that's a much better result for them away from home. Um, but those predictions aside, boys, Glenn, I'll come to you first. What do you think is actually going to happen in this last test? Is everyone, are all the England players too tired and they're just going to get run over or have they got some more fight left in them? Oh, it's a great question. I'm really excited for this final test and I know that we can't win it, but I still think for Root, our pretty uh, sloppy looking record in recent tests across the series just has not looked good on test cricket. It's not looked particularly good on Root's captaincy. Uh, again, I'm not going to put the blame on his shoulders at all here. It's obviously more systematic. The um, England's cricket board's approach to test cricket, we, we can discuss at a later time. But yeah, I think both teams are going to be gunning for this. You you mentioned uh, brilliantly earlier about how much Cody wants 100. He wants to win this. This is massive for Cody. This could well be, as you said, the centrepiece of his captaincy for India, among many highlights. Uh on that, in that regard, I would I would say India shade it. But what I've loved about this series is that every time we've been like, well, this will probably happen. India just got battered. England just got battered. It will probably be uh, another successive win. It's been a complete U-turn. That's why this series has been so exciting. 
Uh, I'm not going to go on the fence. I am going to say an India win, especially with the with the with the fitness of the England bowlers is a massive concern for me. Massive concern, massive shame as well. And you were quite right to point out. I did watch the last couple of hours yesterday, and that injury to Overton. Um, when he got bowled, was horrible. It was like, you know, knee onto stumps. And it was elbow, knee, stumps. like And it really hit him. And he looked to be like the India bowlers. Like I know they were celebrating, but they, they did genuinely look concerned that he might be badly hurt. So if you tie that into everything, I think India do have the momentum. I think probably player to player, they have a better team at the moment. Um, and I think they'll shade it. I hope England can pull something out of the bag. I think it'd be brilliant. Uh, for Root and for the team, if we if we can pull something together here and get a win, but I would favour India, and that's where I'll go. I'm I'm going to butt in and say I before you two boys come on, I echo Glenn exactly. I, he pretty much said what I was going to say, so there's no point in me saying anything else. I think England bowling attacks can be absolutely cream crackers, and they got no chance. Uh, Overton for me was going to get picked anyway, so I don't want to wish injury on a man. But last time we bowled at Old Trafford, he was so bad. For me, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna say it's gonna be a draw. So we're gonna do a win the the series. I thought I thought you were gonna say it was gonna be a win. So your prediction from months ago becomes true. Imagine we get something right no, on this podcast. No, because it's gonna be a draw. It's, it's gonna draw. be a draw. A rain. It's gonna be a draw. It? Two days of rain. Rain. It's gonna is rain. It that, is it so that bad? Is it that bad? Let me check. Have you have you seen Manchester before? It's I've September. I've been once and it Manchester. just drizzled all the time. It's it's a pretty hateful place for weather. Um, That's all it does. It drizzles. No matter when you go, no matter what the weather is like anywhere else in the country. There twenty eight degrees and sunny at the minute, pal. So let's hope that hangs around. You check oh, the weather for Friday. My God. <laughs> I'm I'm in Manchester on Friday, not for the test match. Double but, rain, double raindrops. Uh, mm-hmm. So look at the percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Friday's a dead one. Saturday's dead. Okay. So Will, what do you think is going to happen in this test match? <laughs> That's going to have about hundred and eighty overs bowled in it. Yeah, depressingly, I also have very little to add to, to what Glenn said. I think that's pretty much bang on. I think it's a really good point that, that this every time you think someone's ahead in the series, the other side comes back. It's really evenly matched. And on that basis, I can't really see it being 3-1 to India. On the other hand, the England bowlers are absolutely knackered. Funny thing is, I could absolutely see Dan's bizarre, makes-no-sense prediction coming true because if, if England do get a draw out of this... It will feel like a bit of an escape, and probably they'll be the happier of the side. So in that sense, it's a two-two to England. <laughs> it will be. It will be. <laughs> one one thing. Wouldn't it be funny that if it so if India win this, if India draw this game or win this game, they would have won in Australia and in England. I would probably say it's, it's probably the first time they've ever done, but it's definitely the first time they've ever done both in a year because mm. that's only the second time they've ever won in Australia, and the other first time was a few years ago. In one calendar year, but then they also lost the World Test Championship final. So it's quite funny that they can, you know, they've, they've arguably will have had the best year in their history. But in the one time we have something that decides the best test nation they couldn't win. Yeah, there's been a lot. Of, <laughs> that is so funny. I thought we were done and dusted with WTC discourse after nope. June, July. No, it's come back with a vengeance. Apparently, we now have to decide. Just trying to wipe that smile this. off your face, basically, man. So, yeah, it's all well and good. Yeah, you won away in Australia, you won away in England, but you're not the best test yeah. team in the world. Except that by, it, by, it's now a clear... by every traditional metric by which this thing has always been decided, India are the best test team in the world. Um, yeah, but they're not. But they're not. As, they're as, not, as, lo- they, as, as they, they haven't got the, they haven't got the mace, <laughs> the all important mace that suddenly appears. As lots of Kiwi fans are reminding us on Twitter, and rightfully so, New Zealand are the yeah. best test team in the world. Sort of. 
that will about wrap it up then, boys. Um, those are our predictions. The next test starts on Friday. It's a very quick turnaround. You know, I hope you're excited for it because it's going to rain all the time. So, you know, we've really G'd everybody up. Um, ready for an exciting uh, week of test cricket. Um, but that'll about do. Zach, see you later, mate. Wave at each other now. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye, Will. Bye, Dan. Bye, Glenn. Get some, get some, um, get, get your laptop to come. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.